1: Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this very provocative question, what gives woke ideology its power. What is at the heart of it? Yep, I'm finally going there, mamas and papas. I'm going to talk about woke. I am pretty sure that you are all familiar with the term woke by now, and you probably recognize woke ideas when you see them. Some of you may know quite a bit about it, but can you define it? Do you know where it came from? Do you know what makes it so appealing to people? What gives it that staying power? I think that I have a fresh take on this issue that should be considered. In fact, we're going to consider it for two episodes because it's that big of a topic. There are aspects about woke philosophy that we need to acknowledge, even concede, because there is a kernel of truth that perpetuates this dangerous philosophy now to be clear i think the conclusions of woke ideology are all wrong they don't line up with reality and they are extremely dangerous but there's always a a little bit of truth in a good lie right we need to recognize what that truth is so that we can cut the legs right out from under it that's the plan for the next two episodes of christian parent crazy world
0: so let's get started Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by bestselling author Katie Clemens. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life.
1: Now, I know that I promised to bring you an episode with Dr. Douglas Groteis on the greatest barrier that Gen Z has to the Christian faith, and I will be bringing that to you, I I hope, very soon. Unfortunately, Dr. Groteis was under the weather when we were supposed to record, and I've had to push that episode back. That will be a phenomenal episode, by the way. It's a topic that keeps us all up at night. And speaking of topics that we all lose sleep over, I have wanted to address the topic of woke for quite some time now, and I had planned on doing it next anyway, so I just bumped it up. For those of you who have been around for a while, you will recall that Christian Parent Crazy World was a solo podcast for the first year and a half. It was all me. I didn't have guests on the show. But I kept getting requests for all of these phenomenal people to come on the show, so I branched out and started doing interviews, but I've wanted to tackle the topic of woke for some time now. I, I was explaining my ideas about it to my husband, and he said, you need to go solo on this one. Brian doesn't usually steer me wrong, so, you know, it's just me today, folks, and in the next episode as well, just like old times, mm-hmm. Now, I don't pretend to be an expert on woke philosophy, although I could play one on TV. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, I I was an actor in a former life. But seriously, I have studied this topic for years, and I am an educator and a history buff, and I'm an avid researcher. In another life, I'm pretty sure that I could have been a journalist, like a real one, not like the fake ones you see on TV all the time. Uh, But recently, an author by the name of Bethany Mandel came out with a new book called Stolen Youth, which is all about how woke ideology is upending American childhood. And she had a video that went Viral. Poor thing. Oh, my gosh. This homeschooling mother of six with a newborn was on The Hills YouTube show called The Rising, and she was asked to define the term woke. Mind you, her book was on woke ideology and how it is affecting kids. So it should have been a softball question But she was in a very hostile environment right before the show. The host, Brianna Joy Gray, was on a hot mic and Bethany heard her say that she explicative hated parents and that she believed all parents have children in an effort to perpetuate their own narcissism. And welcome to the show, Bethany, mother of six. Yeah, yeah. So Bethany was completely shocked, disoriented, and sleep deprived when she went on this show and was asked to simply define the premise of her book. And she went blank and stumbled for like, I don't know, 15 seconds. God bless her. My heart goes out to her. It could have happened to anyone, honestly. But it happened to her. And she had the presence of mind to realize it was going to go viral. She even said so in the interview, and it did go viral, God bless her, she was pummeled by the critics. She wrote this really moving piece on how that affected her, how how devastating it is to have a year and a half of research called into question because she stammered for a bit on a definition that you know, she should have been able to answer. But alas, Bethany is human, as we all are. Um, You know, I'm going to link to the response she wrote because it's worth a look. She talked about how she used this excruciating experience to teach her kids how to respond to failure. You know, you got to get back up. You got to get back on that horse. But her difficulty in defining what woke is got me to thinking, can I define woke? How Would I define woke? How would I explain it to someone, to my kids? How would you? I want to give you the information you need to do just that. Or you could just tell them to listen to this podcast. It's always a good idea. So I want to look at the topic of woke historically, biblically, philosophically, and spiritually, yeah, I want to be very thorough here. And that's going to take a little bit of time even with just me because it's such a big topic. So I will be addressing woke historically and biblically in this episode and then philosophically and spiritually in the next episode. To clarify, this episode is going to set the stage for us to fully define and understand what woke is in the next episode. And I will give you a simple, concise, easy to understand and use definition of woke along the way so that you can share it with your older and even, you know, some of your younger kids and anyone else who cares to listen. But first, we've got to have that aerial view of what woke ideology rests on the foundation. That's why we're starting by looking at some history. Let me just say, most of the information I've read and listened to that criticizes wokism is accurate. But it fails, it like really fails to acknowledge the proper historical framework from which it emerges. This, Mamas and Papas and Chillins, is why woke ideology has been so successful. You can't deplatform something until you properly understand the platform it rests on. You can quote me on that. You're welcome. Okay, I have a story that kind of encapsulates the historical perspective on woke. I think I shared it with you once before on the show. So it was like 10 years ago. I was homeschooling my oldest child and we were memorizing a timeline of events that had over 170 historical points on it. And at that time in my life, we were blessed to have some margin in my kid's schedule. So I don't really have that anymore. But we were digging in really deep to each of those historical events and talking about what really happened in many of them. And at one point, my then second grader looked up at me and said, mommy, the Japanese Heian period is kind of like European feudalism, which is kind of like the Indian caste system, which is kind of like our welfare system today. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, yeah, by Jove, you've got it. This girl gets it. My oldest has always been a dot connector. She sees these patterns in history. So do I, you know, apple tree. But what she recognized about these periods of history is the tendency of every society to divide itself into hierarchies. It always happens over and over and over. History is a broken record when it comes to this penchant and this outcome. Did you ever see The Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise and Ken Watanabe? Gosh, it's such a good movie. It came on cable recently, and I stayed up way too late watching it. Again, you know, I'd already seen it, but it's such a good movie. It tells the story of the last samurais during the Japanese Heian period. This particular culture was very hierarchical. That is a very tough word to say. By the way, hierarch- hierarchical. Anyway, you try it. Um, and now at the top of this society, you had the shogun who was the royal sovereign. And then you had the daimyos who were like the Japanese royalty or aristocracy. Think bourgeois. And then you have the samurai who were like Japanese knights. They enforced the laws of the shoguns. And then you have the workers and the peasants followed by the artisans. And finally, the merchants who didn't produce anything. They just sold what other people made. Doesn't work that way in our society now. But anyways, they make a lot of money. They're higher up on the rung. But the hand motion that we did for this event and the historical timeline that we memorized showed each of these classes or hierarchies stacked one on top of another and another and another. Now, I think we see this hierarchical, oh, got it. Yeah. Structure very clearly in the European feudal system, which we are probably a little more familiar with here in the West since we came out of it. It's the same thing. You had the royal sovereign, the king or queen, followed by the lords and ladies or the aristocracy, followed by the knights who did all the fighting and protecting and enforcing, followed by the peasants on the bottom rung. Society was divided into these classes, and you couldn't really move between them. The class you were born into is the
0: class that you died in. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day, with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or, what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time... The Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold.
1: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. I think though the best example we have of a hierarchical oh, I'm nailing it um, society today is probably the Indian caste system. It is operated the same way for thousands of years, you have the highest caste, the Brahmins, who are responsible for all of the religious and intellectual activity. They operate as the royals. Then you have the Kshatriya, who are the warriors, like the samurai and the knights. Then you have the Vaishas, who are responsible for trade and business. Then you have the Sudras, who have manual jobs. And finally, you have the lowest rung, which are the Dalits. They are the caste list. They are called the untouchables because you can't even touch these people. They handle all of the waste and sewage and garbage of society. They have to clear away dead animals. Yeah. Okay. so there is no upward mobility in this system. The caste you are born into is the caste you die in, like feudalism and the Heian period. You know, my husband actually worked with a really great guy who is from India. He had an arranged marriage. Now, they are Christians, but he had to marry a woman in his caste who he (laughs) never met before. I know it sounds so crazy to the Western mindset, but that is how Indian society works still today. Now, my my daughter did connect these other events in our timeline to the American welfare system because we had had some lengthy discussions about how our welfare system tends to keep people trapped in certain classes or sects of society. We could debate on how that is and why that is. But one thing is clear. We've had a war on poverty for over 50 years in this country, and it hasn't really changed anything. It hasn't moved the needle. Now, I would argue quite forcefully that we do have upward mobility in American society and most of Western society. The economic or social sphere of society you are born into is not the sphere that you have to die in. Now, is it difficult to change our status? Of course. Are some people at a disadvantage? Yes. They are, but you can work your way out of poverty in the U.S. and in the West, unlike other places in the world where you can't still. Woke says you can't in our country. But ask yourself this. How wealthy and successful are the woke ideologues who tell you that you can't work your way out of poverty? Hmm? Hmm? Yeah. More on that in the next episode and more on how Our system became a system where you can move up the ladder in the next episode. Stick around. But in most of human history, there was not an option to move out of the class you were born into. None whatsoever. And in many places in the Middle and Far East, still today, you can't move between these classes or hierarchies. Ask the Uyghurs in China. So what my daughter identified as an eight-year-old is something we see over and over and over again in history. Society divides itself into classes or castes or spheres. In most cultures throughout history, society divides itself into fiercely regulated hierarchies. So now let's take a few minutes here and look at this topic biblically. Do we see this tendency of societies to divide themselves into classes or spheres in scripture? (laughs) Absolutely. No question we do. The Hebrew nation, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years. They were on the bottom tier of Egyptian society. They had to work nonstop, no holidays, no breaks, no money to be earned. They couldn't get ahead. They couldn't move up the ladder. They were slaves in the nation of Egypt for nearly half a millennia. Mm -hmm. Then God liberated them. And God uses them to bring judgment on the nations of Canaan. This is an area, by the way, where the Bible and the Jewish and the Christian faiths are greatly criticized because they say instead of being oppressed, which is so virtuous as they had been for 400 years, the Israelites become oppressors. Mm -hmm. They conquer and enslave other nations at God's bidding. That, too, is a topic for another day, a really big one. There is a lot to be said about that, and I just don't have time to dig into that in this series. Suffice to say that according to Scripture, God has a right to to bring about justice to these Canaanite nations who were very unjust. They too had enslaved other people. So they were oppressors. So they were reaping what they had sown and they were worshiping other gods and they practiced all kinds of debauchery and they were offering children. This is a biggie. This is really huge. They were offering children on altars of fire to these other gods, burning them alive. Mm-hmm. God came along and judged that. and We should want a God that would judge that. Just envision that. Seriously, babies in fire pits. It's wicked. So God uses the nation of Israel as his instrument to judge. But what happens to the nation of Israel? Are they some favorites of God who can do whatever they want now? <laughs> no, emphatically no, flashing, neon, bold, all caps, no, with lots of exclamation points after it. Mm-hmm. According to scripture, this is clear. God has no favorites that can get away with evil. Colossians 3.25 says, quote, but if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. God has no favorites, end quote. As a matter of fact, if you know what is right to do, like the nation of Israel did, and you don't do it, you are judged more severely. Mm-hmm. That's how God works. God is just. He will use a nation to bring judgment on another nation that is misbehaving. He does not sit by idly watching injustice without responding. Now, He is patient with wrongdoers or oppressors, as woke ideology calls bad rulers. God is more patient than we often would like when we aren't the ones doing wrong. But it is his will to liberate, and it is his will that all would come to repentance. This is what the Bible shows us time and time again in both testaments. When the nation of Israel starts acting like all of these other godless nations, when they oppress widows and orphans and foreigners, when they worship other gods and offer their children in the fire to Molech, they get conquered first. By the Assyrians, then by the Babylonians who conquered the Assyrians, then by the Persians. This is all in that timeline we memorized, by the way. Finally, we see the Jewish people in Jesus's day being ruled by the Romans and on and on and on it goes. Hierarchies. Mm -hmm. So the biblical account is clear that these hierarchies do happen throughout history and within them... There is this human tendency to rule in godless ways, to procure power for oneself and oppress others with it, which is why God regulates the ruling of other people. He doesn't outlaw slavery, as so many of us would prefer that he did. Oh my gosh, that reminds me of this hilarious story. I was leading a Bible class once where we were reading through the Old Testament chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and discussing it. I I really love that format of Bible study. It's the best. But the woman who usually led this class asked me to fill in on this particular week that had a section on slavery. Thank you very much. She bailed on the tough topic. So we were talking about God's regulations on slavery in the Old Testament. And this beautiful, oh my gosh, she was drop-dead gorgeous French woman was in the class. Her name was Alexandre. And she pipes up and she says, why did God not have any 11th commandment? Uh, thou should not have slavery. Uh, yeah, that's a fun question to field. One that is a bit off topic, and I don't have time to field in this episode. Maybe in a future episode, we will tackle that one. I, I'd love to. I think we need to. But in a nutshell, God allows slavery because it is the natural result of our sinfulness, of our free will run amok. But God does draw lines. And he does punish injustice. Isaiah chapter one, verse 17 says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Psalm 72, verse four says, may he defend the cause of the poor, give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. Mm hmm. Zechariah 7 verse 10 says, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Os Guinness, one of the world's greatest intellects, identifies the Old Testament prophets as being the very first activists for justice in the world. They were the original justice warriors. And God was the one who led them on this crusade against injustice. Now, mind you, they never deny God's moral standard while pursuing justice like today's social justice warriors do. Rather, God's love combined with this truth and moral standard fueled their desire to treat people with dignity and respect to help those who cannot help themselves and to correct the harm done by oppression. James chapter 1 verse 27 says, "Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this: to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world." God and scripture does not support oppression. He condemns it. He commands us not to act like the world in the way that we treat people. We are not to procure power and oppress the weak. When a society does this, God will bring judgment, sometimes through a plague or through a drought or some other act of nature, act of God, sometimes by being conquered by another nation. God brings justice to those who act unjustly. So, (laughs) we've seen all of these examples of oppressive hierarchies throughout human history. So that means hierarchies are bad, right? Uh, not so fast. Mm -mm. In and of themselves, hierarchies are not bad. How can they be? God is a king. He, He is the king of kings. He is a sovereign. That means he is at the top of the hierarchy in his kingdom. You know, kingdoms are inherently hierarchical. So if God created a hierarchy, then it can't be wrong. And remember, before the fall, God told man and woman to rule over all of the earth. He put human beings at the top of the hierarchy here on earth. Scripture also tells us that we will rule and reign with God for all of eternity if we are faithful to him in our earthly life. I believe that scripture teaches the degree of our faithfulness here on earth determines how we will spend eternity, where we will end up in God's kingdom. Also, we are told that God establishes our rulers here on earth. That's Romans 13 verse 1. Ruling isn't wrong. Governing is not ungodly. God is a God of order. So he establishes rulers and Hierarchies here on earth. But as Lord Acton so wisely told us, all power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Because of our fallen nature, we've taken the structure that God ordained the hierarchy, and we've used that power to govern in ungodly ways. Men do this and women do this. Check out the story of Jezebel, which starts in 1 Kings chapter 16, for an example of a tyrannical, ungodly female ruler. This tendency to obtain power and use this hierarchical, yes, structure to oppress those at the bottom is the truth that woke ideology rests on. And it is the truth that gives it power. You know, as I was contemplating all of this, what I thought was so interesting is that woke ideologues really want to erase all hierarchies. Or rather, they claim to want to do that, and I believe they just really want to change the pecking order, which we will talk about in the next episode. But let's be clear, getting rid of hierarchies altogether would have a catastrophic effect on society, You know, erasing the hierarchy with law enforcement, for example, defund the police. How has that turned out? Hmm? (laughs) Crime rates have skyrocketed across our country. We need that hierarchy for society to function properly, for us to be safe. Now, you know, have there been times when that particular hierarchy, really all hierarchies, have been corrupted? Yeah, sure. But you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think we all want some big guys with guns to come when we call 911 because we hear someone trying to break into our house in the middle of the night, don't we? Yeah. Another hierarchy that woke ideologues want to erase is the hierarchy in the home. This one's big. This is huge. Now, of course, we are all of equal value in the home and in society, for that matter. Parents are not more valuable or important than their children. But somebody with some wisdom has to be in charge or else our kids will be filling their minds with Minecraft instead of Aristotle and algebra. And they will be living on Twinkies and Cap'n Crunch. Not a good idea. Mm-mm. Nope. Woke wants to treat children like adults, like they are as wise and knowledgeable as their parents it wants to put put the kids in charge. So if a five-year-old says that they are in the wrong body, well, we need to listen to that child and let them transition to the other gender. And as soon as possible, we need to make sure that their body doesn't go through puberty. We need to chemically castrate them, which will make them sterile, by the way. And then we need to put them through irrevocable surgeries to permanently permanently alter their bodies. That is what woke wants. And in order for that to happen, woke activists must erase the God-ordained structure in the home where parents are the authority. They are trying to erase godly hierarchies. And that is devastating for children and for society as a whole. So, to be clear, the misuse of power in hierarchical structures, racking up the points, uh, throughout history does not mean that hierarchies are wrong. What we learn from Scripture is that hierarchies exist and they are God-ordained, but they can be used in ungodly ways to oppress people, to keep people at the bottom. The answer that Woke gives us is, well, well, you know, we just need to get rid of hierarchies. That, (laughs) mamas and papas, is not the answer. That will simply lead to another bondage. It it will destroy our children and our families and our schools and our churches and our communities and our nation and the world. Like the whole world. But this is... Is what God? Oh, I love this! This is so great. This is what God does with the hierarchy. Check this out in Matthew chapter twenty. James and John, a couple of his disciples, along with their mother, are jockeying for position in God's kingdom. They want to sit on either side of Jesus when He rules. So they're they're trying to gain power, the earthly way, right? And Jesus says, "Uh -uh, mm uh-uh, my kingdom does not work that way. Listen to what Jesus says. I'm going to read this in the message version because it really drives the point home. Jesus says, quote, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you in my kingdom right? Okay. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage, end quote. (laughs) How incredible is that? It brings me to tears. Jesus took this ungodly use of power that has existed since the fall of man and he reversed it. He flipped the hierarchy upside down. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was born as a baby in a barn and he was raised by a carpenter and a scandalous unwed mother. And this King of the universe becomes the servant of all. He washes our feet. He heals our wounds. He endures through our trials without sinning, and he becomes victorious. And then he is abused and tortured, and he is crucified for us, so that we can be reconciled to the Father, so that we can be forgiven and reign with him forever. That's what God does with our messed up hierarchies. He he flips them upside down and says that those who rule Must be servants. He fixes the corrupting influence of power by using it to serve, to heal, to redeem. And he enables us to govern and serve others like he does. So the problem is not the hierarchy, moms and dads. The problem is our fallen nature that uses the hierarchy to to help ourselves and hurt others. That is the problem we see throughout human history. And that is the problem woke ideology accurately identifies. (sighs) So let's answer the question I posed at the top of the show. What gives woke ideology its power? Well... What gives woke ideology its power is that it is based on historical fact (laughs) and indisputable truth from the dawn of man. Since the fall, society has divided itself up into classes or castes or sex or spheres, whatever you want to call them. They're all the same thing. And in a nutshell, woke ideology says that throughout all of human history, society is divided into two groups, oppressors and oppressed people. So there is a lot of truth to that claim. Truth is powerful, mamas and papas. So it makes sense that the power behind woke ideology is the little bit of truth that it rests on. I think we need to acknowledge that truth because when we acknowledge the truth at the center of woke ideology, it loses a lot of its power. Then we can shift to the more important question at hand. So how are you going to fix it? Hmm? Hmm? How does woke ideology fix the very real problem it is so critical of? Can it? Has it ever? Or is it just perpetuating that problem by changing who is doing the oppressing and who is being oppressed? Hmm? Mm hmm. Those are some of the questions we will answer in the next episode when I will discuss more fully what woke is, how woke ideology proper emerged on the scene. You'll learn who those players were and how it is perpetuating the very oppression that it claims to want to cure. (laughs) It's just you and me again next time on CPCW and I cannot wait thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh, and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. Uh, And be sure to check out my website, which is katherinesegers.com. That's Catherine with the C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time.
0: Christian Parent, Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at LifeAudio.com.
1: I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to LifeAudio.com.